0: I'm Shahrazani, and in the news, the decision of the United Nations Human Rights Council to appoint a commission of inquiry to look into possible war crimes right before and in the aftermath of Israel's recent operation against Hamas terrorist organization in Gaza. The Council adopted the resolution as part of a special session which was called to discuss the serious human rights situation, as they called it, and ended with the adoption of the resolution put forth by the Organization of Islamic State's representative Pakistan and the Palestinians. The language of the resolution reads the Council decides to urgently establish an ongoing independent International Commission of Inquiry, to be appointed by the President of the Human Rights Council to investigate in the occupied Palestinian territory including East Jerusalem and in Israel. The Commission will investigate all alleged violations of international humanitarian law and all alleged violations and abuses of international human rights law leading up to and since April 13, 2021, and all underlying root causes of recurrent tensions, instability, and protraction of conflict, including systematic discrimination and repression based on national, ethnic, racial, or religious identity. Indeed, a rather wide mandate. The resolution was adopted by 24 votes, with 9 countries voting no and 14 abstaining. Countries that voted no included Austria, the Czech Republic, Hungary, Germany, Malawi, the United Kingdom and Uruguay. Following the resolution, Israel rejected it forthwith and stated as follows, Israel will continue to defend itself against the terrorism of Hamas and against politicized international bodies that seek to delegitimize Israel's lawful and just actions. To discuss this important topic with me and its significance, I am pleased to have with me all the way from Switzerland, Geneva, Ambassador Meirav Elon Shachar, Israel's permanent representative to the United Nations and other international organizations in Geneva. A few words about Ambassador Shachar. Ambassador Meirav Elon Shachar was appointed permanent representative of Israel to the UN and international organizations in Geneva in August of 2020. Prior to this mission, she served as Deputy Director General for Coordination and Policy Planning and as Israel's Ambassador to Vietnam. After joining the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in 1995, Meirav elon Shachar has represented Israel in a number of different capacities, including Director of the Department for UN Political Affairs in Jerusalem, Counselor at the Permanent Mission of Israel to the United Nations in New York, Consul for Communications and Public Affairs in the Consulate General of Israel in Los Angeles and Deputy Head of Mission at the Embassy of Israel in Nairobi, Kenya. Ambassador, thank you so much for joining us on JBS.
1: Thank you very much, Akhar. I'm very pleased to be here today.
0: So, so first of all, allow me to ask you, we just heard the wide scope mandate of the resolution. It seems to be very wide in scope. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit about what it includes and what does it mean moving forward for Israel?
1: Indeed, it's a very, it's an unprecedented uh, resolution here uh, at the Human Rights Council. It basically doesn't have a deadline. This mandate that was just created is a permanent body. Usually you have other mandates, let's say, for other uh, cases, whether it's Syria or other countries. It's a mandate that comes up for renewal every year. No, but of course, Israel receives a different treatment, and this mandate is forever. There is no deadline once so it's a permanent mechanism that will have people working for it constantly, producing reports constantly, and collecting evidence on an ongoing basis. The other thing, is the unprecedented scope, is that it doesn't only look into the territories, the Palestinian territories, and of course the UN always refers to East Jerusalem also as part of it, but also to Israel itself. Meaning that uh, they would be able to look into events that took place in Haifa or in Jaffa or in Lod. So the scope is geographically very wide, unprecedented. The time is unlimited. The committee is supposed to, once they nominate uh, experts, they will collect evidence, they will interview, they will literally uh, prepare individual uh, cases with criminal responsibility to be submitted. They cannot Prosecute, but they can certainly uh, transfer it to other bodies to do so. Um, There is also um, an article that talks about arms transfer that they would like uh, member states to look at this issue as well. There is also an article that uh, reflects also the issue of human rights and businesses. If you remember uh, the database, the blacklist that was published uh, about a year and a half ago, this is also something that refers to it, meaning that uh, businesses that operates uh, beyond uh, uh, the 67 uh, lines uh, might be subjected also to review. You, so, you
0: have um, vast experience in the uh, international arena for Israel. Has it ever been a case where the United Nations was launching a commission of inquiry into events, like you mentioned, inside Israel, including no. you know in the mixed cities, like you're describing now in the current mandate?
1: No, this is the first time. This is the first time. And as I said, Israel always receives a uh, special attention, let's put it this way, uh, when it comes to the UN, and that's why it's so unprecedented. No, it's the first time, indeed.
0: The um, special attention, the kind that we don't deserve and don't want. Nope.
1: No, the, ki- the kind that is uh, not even handed, it's not balanced, it's targeting Israel. It is clear to us that this commission of inquiry is not going to really look into Hamas rocket launching. It will not review it. It will not give a fair break to Israel. There is one purpose for this resolution, is really to target and isolate Israel in an ongoing manner. You have to remember that.
0: And um, do you think, I mean, the official position of the State of Israel is one that would, I, do you have any intention of collaborating with the Council of the Commission of Inquiry or not?
1: No, we don't have the intention. As I said, you know, the resolution itself doesn't talk about, doesn't mention the word Hamas doesn't talk about the rocket launching and we have already said and stated very clearly that we will not cooperate with such a commission of inquiry. Has
0: Israel ever collaborated with the commissions of inquiry coming out of the UN Human Rights Council?
1: No, we have done so with other bodies, for example, with the Secretary General in New York, in other cases, but not with the uh, with the Human Rights Council. And I'll tell you, Shahar, the Human Rights Council was established in 2006, I actually uh, participated in the negotiations in New York at the time I was stationed. Uh, we wanted a, a good body that well, would first promote.
0: Well, that, that, that's an excellent point. But let me ask you before you touch on this important topic: what existed before the UN Human Rights Council?
1: So I was planning to refer to it before the Human Rights Council. We had the Commission, the Commission on Human Rights, the Commission on Human Rights. At the time, uh, the US mainly, but many others understood that the commission has failed to fulfill its mandate of upholding human rights. This was the time when Libya became the chair and uh, discussions uh, started in New York to reform the body or to change it, to establish a new body. And hence we, in 2006, we uh, started negotiations, very intensive negotiations in the General Assembly in New York with the aim of replacing the failed commission And establishing a new body, a Human Rights Council, that will uphold its mandate. It's still a subsidiary body to the General Assembly. I have to say that Israel came to it with the best intentions. We really wanted to see a body that will fulfill its mandate in a fair and balanced manner. We participated, I participated, my colleagues, uh, in intensive negotiations But at the end, I have to say, when it came to be adopted at the General Assembly, I recommended at the time to my headquarters to vote against it. Uh, From everything we saw, we knew that the Human Rights Council is not going to be very different from the commission. And uh, we voted against it. At the time, uh, I also told my European colleagues and others that uh, I hope that I'm wrong and it's up to them uh, to prove us wrong with the way we voted. Uh, I have to say that uh, looking uh, from 2006 until today, including the last resolution that was adopted, uh, we did not uh, make a mistake by voting no against the establishment of the Human Rights Council. I have to say, Shahar, since the establishment in 2006, the Human Rights Council held 30 special sessions, 30. Nine of them, including the last, the one we held last week, on Israel. So about a third of the resolutions, a third of the special sessions, sorry, are targeting Israel. This is what the council is doing obsessively dealing with Israel in the special sessions, in the reports. I'm not sure you know, your uh, viewers know that, uh, you know, in the Human Rights Council, there is a special agenda item that is reserved for Israel, meaning that you have a general agenda item that deals with all difficult situations around the world, maybe Asia, Africa, Latin America, or Europe. But separate from that, you have on the agenda item, built in, it's called item number seven, an item that is reserved only to review past resolution, write reports, targeting Israel. So,
0: it's, it's, first of all, thank you for the education. I think a lot of people are unaware of this. And I have to ask you, from the outside, this looks absolutely ridiculous that a United Nations international organ would be dedicated, as you said, obsessively only to one issue. As justified as that may be, if even if it is and even if it's not, there are so many other issues on the world's agenda. What does it look like from within? Do the ambassadors you engage with understand the level of abnormality we're dealing with here or or the level of obsession? What are the actions you're seeing on the inside to this uh, skewed agenda?
1: Some do. Some do understand. The U.S. understands, of course, very well. Uh, Secretary of State Blinken, in his first address to the Human Rights Council, also mentioned and referred to item seven and the need to reform the council and get rid of this item, uh, many of our European colleagues also understand, and some others around the world. But many don't. Many don't understand, and they are quite happy uh, to be to con- to allow the council to continue to deal uh, with Israel. Some of them, as you know, are. Uh, Uh, when we talk about Pakistan, when we talk about Syria, when we talk about Iran and others, I'm sure that they're very happy that the council is is obsessively working with us, dealing with us and not with them. I wanna give you another interesting figure. Uh, The special session that uh, established this Committee of Inquiry, before it was adopted, the secretariat announced that the cost, the cost of this permanent commission of inquiry will be between 5.4 to 8 million dollars a year a year so when i'm saying that it's obsessively working and reporting uh, uh, regarding israel and targeting israel just imagine the amount of money that will go to this one particular commission of inquiry not to other places in the world only targeting israel
0: and where where is this money coming from
1: well it comes from uh, money that member states are paying. It will come actually, it will pass from New York. Each country pays what is called assessed contribution. It's according to its size and and income and uh, GDP. Countries pay for it. It will pass, not now, it will probably come up in the General Assembly in November, December. And then that's how the money will be received. But just imagine the amount of money that is dedicated to one commission of inquiry because it's a permanent mandate. That's the, uh, that's the issue, and that's per year, which means that the attention, the time, the resources, financial and human resources are dedicated here and not somewhere else. So perhaps countries like, I'm sure, countries like uh, Iran and Syria and other uh, human rights uh, uh, abusers are very happy with it.
0: That's for sure. So at the end of the day, it's the international taxpayers who are underwriting this uh, mm-hmm. endeavor of hypocrisy and ridicule. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, must, uh, I must tell you that, you know, this goes beyond Israel. This is a matter of accountability and transparency uh, vis-a-vis the international community. And like you're saying, Ambassador, needs around the world, not just the International uh, Human Rights Council of Distraction. But I have to ask you on a personal note. You know, you're sitting there representing the Jewish state within, you know, Geneva and the UN Human Rights Council. You see how skewed the organization is. First of all, how are you feeling about this personally and, of course, professionally? And then what are your hopes to achieve? What's the goal of of Israel's role within the council?
1: Well, I think first we need to look at uh, Israel and the UN, you know, because many times I'm asked, you know, why don't you just leave the UN or, you know. It's uh, so one-sided, and and I have to say, you know, uh, Israel is a respected member state of the United Nations. We belong in the UN. There are many interests that we need to promote, aside of course peace and security, which is important. Of course, I'm not belittling it; it's important. But for us, we would like to speak on many issues, and that's what we do here in Geneva. We speak about women's rights. We speak about girls' rights. We speak about LGBTQI rights. We speak about older person's rights. We have recently in January, not in the council, but in the World Health Organization, we have passed for the first time, actually Shaha, interestingly enough, the same day that the council uh, decided on this resolution to establish the commission of inquiry, Israel in WHO adopted the resolution that we promoted for the first time about health and persons with disabilities. So we have other interests in the UN, global interests that we would like to promote, standards that are important for Israel, that are important to many, many member states. And it's not to, it's not correct that we will only act when the Palestinian-Israeli issue is involved. We have many interests, and, and this is what we're making sure, that we are involved in the different organizations here in Geneva we are talking about numerous organizations you know from the it's not people always hear about the human rights council because it's the most political body right but you have the world health organization and you have intellectual property and you have telecommunication and you have postal and you have many uh, important resolutions that uh, that not only set standards but regulations as well and in each one of them we have an important interest. And this is what we're doing here. Me and my team, it's not a one person show. Of course, I have a terrific team that I'm working with. And I have to say, in times of difficulties, this is also the comfort. The comfort, you know, is when you're in the, with your mission, with your team, you know that uh, you are home. So um, yeah. there are difficult times. There are difficult times like when you hear the speeches, the different speeches at the Human Rights Council, and you think to yourself, you know, how can, how can people be so one sided? Uh, you know, what goes through their mind? Don't they really understand that the situation on the ground is not black and white, that it's a very complex situation? Don't they understand that more than 4,400 rockets were launched in, at Israelis and uh, uh, Israeli cities as well?
0: You know, M- Ambassador, I, uh, I can fully sympathize and understand as somebody who followed in your footsteps at the Israeli embassy in Nairobi, People are not aware of the fact that Nairobi is actually the home of the United Nations Environment Program, the UN Human Settlement Program, which really gives us an opportunity to ask you, could you elaborate more? You were mentioning a resolution or an initiative concerning people with disability. On the very same day, the UN Human Rights Council accepted its own resolution. Tell us a little bit more about Israel's agenda in this regard and the importance of that initiative.
1: With pleasure, Shacha. So as I mentioned, we have many interests. Persons with disability is an important issue for Israel. Internally, on world agenda as well. It's a human rights issue, but it's also a health issue. It's also a labor issue. And that's why I have to say already last November, we embarked on promoting the first ever resolution, Israeli resolution at the World Health Organization. We collaborated with some core group member states from Europe and from Latin America. So we had very good support. And we negotiated the text, a text that actually... uh, uh, sets standards and also asks the secretariat of the WHO for certain things. For example, for a world report, a new world report that hasn't been done for a decade, to see what is the situation in different countries. It's a resolution that talks about nothing about us without us. It sounds very simplistic, but you know how many times when persons with disabilities need health care, they are talked over and not with them. So we want persons with disabilities to be part of the decision-making when it comes to their health. As I said, it sounds logical, but believe me, it's not always the case. And we're talking about a world phenomenon. We're not talking about one country. So this is a thematic resolution that talks about legal capacity of persons with disability to make their own decision when it comes to their health. This is when we are when we're saying nothing about us with us. It was a long process. It it involved civil society, international civil society of organizations that are promoting the rights of persons with disability. And what's important in this resolution, it's a right, it's a human rights-based approach, even when we come to the World Health Organization. This is the first resolution that was passed in the WHO after the adoption of the Human Rights Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. And as I said, it's important for us. And I have to say it was intensive negotiations And uh, we gained the support of many countries. It was adopted by consensus, which is nobody voted on it, uh, but with the extra support of more than 50 co-sponsors. So this is is part of our agenda. And this is what we're trying to do in many other areas that are important for us. In a couple of weeks, for example, we're going to have an event on economic violence against women. Economic violence. People talk a lot about violence against women. Uh, Some are implementing better than others. Some are less. But the economic violence, this factor of violence within uh, the whole scope is not always uh, given the right attention. And we're having an event, it's not an Israeli event, we're collaborating, of course, with several countries from Europe, with Kenya, for example, with the Supreme Court judge, also to bring attention to this topic. And I'll tell you another thing, for example, uh, we've established a group of friends uh, to, uh, together with some colleagues, of course, what we do is usually, what you do at the UN, you don't do it alone. You are trying to uh, collaborate and cooperate with many um, other member states to promote a certain issue. And we have established here a group of friends on uh, to encounter sexual harassment as well. There is one in New York and now there will be one in Geneva. There are many UN organizations and other international organizations and this should be on the agenda. Uh, so this is just, you know, a little bit of what we are doing here on other topics other than the uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. By with, far. Uh,
0: By far, Ambassador, the most important part of our conversation today was what you just said, because we're used to seeing Israel only through the prism of the uh, geopolitics of the crisis Mm -hmm. with the Palestinians. And then you're using words like collaboration and 50 co-sponsors. So Mm -hmm. just to give us a a small peep into your world, how is Mm -hmm. Israel viewed in this regard when you deal with those issues by members of the international community? Uh, What's the, the treatment you're receiving, which should be different from the one we're receiving when it comes to the Palestinians?
1: So, so I have to say it's a positive, it's a very positive attitude with most. I'm not talking about, uh, as I said, mentioned before, nor Pakistan, Iran or Tunisia or Syria are gonna uh, favor it. But with most member states, uh, we're collaborating on the thematic issues, on other issues in a, in a very, uh, very, uh, very well. They know what our strengths. they understand also what's our interest. This is part of what we do in the different organizations. As I said, it's not only the Human Rights Council. When we talk about women and girls, we want to mainstream it also to WHO and International Labor Organization and all organizations that are relevant to it, of course.
0: So, so which which other organizations are there in Geneva um, aside from the UN Human Rights Council that you work with?
1: So as I mentioned, the health. Telecommunication, you have intellectual property, you know, intellectual property, as you can imagine in Israel, because we have many startups and many IT companies, we have a, a large number of IPs. So we're working with uh, on the IPs as well. We have, uh, for example, the, the World Meteorology Organizations, we're collaborating on water, on cyber, critical infrastructure, how do you actually preserve it from att- cyber attacks? Uh, and of course, on other professional, uh, Israel is a member here of CERN. Uh, you know, the uh, this, is, uh, not a UN, uh, this is not a UN, this uh, is not a UN body, but it's a European body that was created after World War II uh, to bring about together a very torn Europe, but through a scientific cooperation. And Israel joined it in 2014. So we are certainly members of that, and we are very active in this. As I said, there are, you have the high, you have the High Commissioner for Refugees, you have refugees issues, you have migrant workers. I mean, you know the the problem in Geneva at the end because you have some you have the Red Cross. Of course, it's not a UN body, but the International Red Cross is an organization that works, of course, in the territories. It's an organization that the dialogue with it and the cooperation with is important for us, and we are doing so. So the, the problem usually in Geneva is the scope is so wide that you, as a mission, most missions do it unless you're uh, probably the US and uh, China or Russia. Uh, since you're limited in manpower, we need to prioritize really what are the interests, where we can be active, where we would like to promote our agenda. Uh, this is what we prioritize. Or of course, like when it comes to, and by the way, the same is with the Human Rights Council. We have some interests there. Although the difficulties that we are uh, experiencing when it comes to the Palestinian Israeli issue, uh, where the council basically deals with it in every session, there are three sessions a year, and every session, of course, some part of it is dedicated to this. Uh, We are uh, dealing with this, but at the same time, we're looking always to see um, where we can work on other topics as well, in accordance with our national interests.
0: Ambassador, I have to tell you, you are nothing short of an inspiration for all of us. Thank you. This has been a very informative conversation for me and for, I'm sure, for all of our viewers who got to get a glimpse. And I have a guess that if you had an army of diplomats, I can just imagine the kind of initiatives you would take there in Geneva. I I don't think I'm wrong on that.
1: No, no, definitely. At the end of the day, we need to prioritize. But as I said, I have an excellent team, so I'm lucky.
0: Thank you very much for joining us on JBS, Ambassador. Thank it you. was a fascinating and most important conversation. Keep up the great work. And thank you for your service for the people and the State of Israel.
1: Thank you very much, Chacha, to you and to the viewers. Thank you very much. It's, it's heartwarming to know the support. So thank you.
0: And there you have it, my friends. The struggle that Israel conducts within the United Nations Human Rights Council is a dual struggle. The first one, and a very significant one, is the fight against the bias of the Council, against the discrimination and the double standards used against the Jewish state. It is a struggle against a Council that since it was established in 2006 has dedicated one-third One third of its special sessions to what's happening in Israel. One third when you have rogue regimes like Iran and others who use the council as a tool of distraction. No, no, sorry, not use, abuse the council as a sort of distraction from their own crimes and human rights violations against their own people. The Ambassador of Israel in Geneva to the Human Rights Council and other organizations is waging another important war, and that is to highlight Israel's positive role in the struggle to make this world a better place. It does so on a variety of platforms and does not lose hope in Israel's ability to infuse some positivity into the process. In such a way, on the very same day when the UN Human Rights Council accepted its anti-Israel resolution, a destructive and distractive resolution for what it really stands for, Israel was able also for the first time to pass a resolution at the World Health Organization focusing on people with disabilities. Israel does not lose focus from its desire to do good in this world in spite of all of the difficult situations. But I want to add another important layer to this discussion. The UN Human Rights Council issue is not just an Israeli issue. The fact that this international organ is abused by rogue regimes and others to become a sandbox of hypocrisy and the misuse of public funds should trouble all of us. We must stand together to demand accountability and transparency. Because the money that underwrites these rogue initiatives come from all of our pockets. It comes from taxpayers around the world. The decision that was taken, the resolution that was taken just now vis-a-vis Israel and its war against Hamas is gonna cost the taxpayers anywhere between five to eight million dollars a year. Let me repeat this, five to eight million dollars a year. And for what? for something that to begin with is already biased and has no chance of achieving anything but employment and travel opportunities for those officials traveling in business class to stay in hotels in Israel. So I ask you today to think about the support that is being given to this organization and the demand of this organization to stand by its vocation and its mission. I'd like to thank our director, Sloan Copeland, JBS's managing director, Dara Golub, our technical manager, Michael Paley, transmission manager, John McDevitt, and to our wonderful producer of In the News, Carol Lilienthal. For JBS, I'm Shachar Azani. Shalom and lehidrao.